Hi, welcome to the Flywheel Film Show. My name is Jordan, here from the mountains of Boulder, Colorado. I'm Austin from sunny Dallas, Texas. And I am Justin Mize from inside of Kenny Chesney's guitar in Nashville, Tennessee. Today, we discuss an electric Alpine. We ask, can you actually use an EV on a road trip? And I talk about how I saw a house. <laughs> uh, cue the music. Uh, all right. So, how are you guys doing this morning? What are you drinking? We got the Drive Olympic Roast from the National Parks Collection number two. A drizzle of honey on top. I just have Trader Joe's coffee. Uh, I am also drinking the Olympic Roast from Drive Coffee National Parks volume two with a drizzle of honey on top. Made in a Chemex. How coincidental. Are we sponsored by them? Not yet. Did I not get the delivery? Uh, we're not sponsored yet. Yeah, we're, we're working on it. <clears throat> I'm also drinking from a mug with a car on it. My mug says <laughs> morning handsome, so I'm reminded how good I look. <laughs> yeah, I'm just really rich. I have a Hydro Flask. <laughs> uh, does your Hydro Flask have a Tesla and an Apple logo on it? <laughs> No, just a hydroflask logo. <laughs> Let's get straight into the news, um, because I can barely contain my excitement. Lotus and Renault are teaming up to develop an all-electric Alpine A110. <clears throat> if you don't know what the Alpine A110 is, do your homework, do your research. Um, it's basically the Renault Alpine, um, I guess, mid-engine sports car, the affordable one. And by that, I mean, you know, 50 to 75 grand, but compared to a supercar, affordable. Um, I, its competitors are probably the Alpha 4C and the uh, Lotus Evora, stuff like that. So I'm intrigued. It's a good looking car as it was. And let's see what it looks like when it goes EV. Is Hammond going to wreck, I mean, drive this one? <laughs> That's really what uh, electric car companies should do with their sports cars. Put it through the ringer. <laughs> Look, a man is able to survive this vehicle. Do we know price point of what the electric one is going to be at? Is it going to be pretty comparable to like the A110? Are they getting rid of the gas, the combustion engine one? Or is it just going to be like an addition to the lineup? I'm hoping it's an addition to the lineup, um, but I really don't know. Um, it's it's just kind of an early official like hey this is what we're gonna do but no one really has any scope of what it will be um, lotus did say it'll be in production by late 20 or just by the year 2025 which we all know we all know what that means late 2025 um i'm just i mean no one has any idea if it's going to keep the existing styling at all uh the alpine a110 is kind of a polarizing car a lot of people don't like it um mostly because of the the strange but you know quintessential quad headlights um that just that's what it's always looked like so they'll probably keep that in some regard um but yeah compared to the you know the lotus evia or via how do you say that uh their two million dollar hypercar um, hopefully this doesn't have much of a price hike <laughs> yeah i'm looking at pictures of the a110 right now and i don't like it <laughs> To each their own, um, but you are wrong. <laughs> I mean, I also don't like the Nissan Juke either, so sue me. Ah, well, this could look good next to a Juke. <laughs> I think it's a popular opinion. Just now. 
Jordan and I might be the only people like on the face of the earth. Oh, to see a juke. Oh, that's cool. Look at that juke. <laughs> nobody, nobody says that. <laughs> yeah. So there's a slew of vehicles coming out by Renault. I think um, they also announced the Renault Five, which I think was like a CUV or something. Um, six others as well. So uh, yeah, it's it's the time to go EV. It's going to be interesting to see what comes out of that, and will we get this stateside? Who knows? Probably um, not. Probably not. <laughs> we never get anything good. Nope. Nope. Unless if it's an SUV. <laughs> or a truck. <laughs> That's what we'll get. We'll get the SUV version. I have a bit of news. This is my clickbait title. Elon Musk wrecks Waymo with one tweet. Not really. But uh, according to Forbes, Waymo CEO criticized Tesla's driver assistance features, claiming they are not feasible uh, to make the jump to full autonomous. So, and then Musk decided that uh, he needed to weigh in on this and said, uh, tweeted, said, to my surprise, Tesla has better AI hardware and software than Waymo, and in parentheses, money. So, a couple things I wanted to ask. I don't know if he's saying there that they have better AI hardware and software than Waymo for the money, or if he's saying we have better AI hardware and software than Waymo, who has a lot of money, so they should have the better software. I don't know exactly what he's trying to insinuate there. Um, also, he wasn't even anywhere near the 140 or 280 character limit, so I'm not sure why. He couldn't have just extrapolated. Knowing Elon, he was probably alluding to the fact that Tesla has a lot more money, just given the recent news that he's now, what, the most valuable man in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that, that would be sense. my guess, just understanding how Elon thinks. Um, also, Justin, for the people who aren't super well-versed in the EV side of things, um, can you explain... Who Waymo is and why Elon would be going after their throats like this. So Waymo is um, is part of is I guess it's like Google's company or it's a portion of Google that is working specifically on fully um, fully autonomous vehicles. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how that partnership are they just completely owned by Google or are they. Well, they're owned by Alphabet. Oh, that yeah. Technically, they were owned by Google until 2016, and then I guess the Alphabet thing kind of, yeah. So if, if anyone doesn't know, Alphabet owns the world. Part of that is Google. Uh, yes. <laughs> From A to Z, we own everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so, so Waymo was criticizing, saying that you know it's. Tesla system is not meant for fully autonomous driving. It's really just driver assistance, um, which I don't I don't know a whole lot about all the technology that goes into it. But from everything that I've seen, part of the reason why it is only driver assistant features right now is one because it's it's using stepping stones to get to actually fully autonomous, and also the government regulations aren't there yet where we can have fully autonomous vehicles just roaming around on the streets. So even if Tesla did have the capability to do that, 
they really couldn't activate it in the cars. Um, Austin, you work for Tesla. I mean, what's your insight on that? Yeah, um, I think one thing that a lot of people like don't take into consideration with how good Tesla's autopilot and driver assist functions are is the amount of cars they have collecting data for them on the road. Um, these other companies that might have superior software engineers, what have you, um, they're not going to have the same amount of use cases. So for these people who th say, oh, we have this great program, like, cool, has it gotten to one of those weird intersections that's at a slant where the car can technically see both stop signs it needs to stop at? Like, all those weird things that you wouldn't think about on a day-to-day -day use. Um, Tesla has literally over a million cars collecting data for it, um, driving around and, and collecting data for them. And that's, I think, their biggest, um, their biggest advantage in the uh, driver assist autopilot world. Um, and that was one thing that was constantly reminded of, to us while we worked there. It's like, hey, we have all these cars collecting data for us. Like other people might have great software, but they don't have the real world, app real world application that we do. I think they've hit over a billion miles driven in autopilot, um, which is just insane from a, a data perspective. And yeah, it's entirely government regulated as far as why we can't have fully autonomous cars. We have to have a, a driver in the driver's seat for a lot of reasons. Biggest one being liability and Justin, I'm sure you could... Uh, talk more on that than I with your insurance background, but um, yeah, Tesla has done lots of closed course testing and um, they have some pretty impressive stuff that could potentially have a car that just drives itself, but yeah, to your point, it's almost entirely government regulation. Yeah, fun fact, Waymo and many other like driverless car research companies have actually done millions and millions of miles in test environments many of them have used gta 5 in test environments because it's already it already has the physics the stop you know stop signs stop lights traffic um, weather conditions and the car i mean they're just getting in the car the fake car the driverless car is just getting information it doesn't know that it's a fake world so it's literally a zero liability test zone where they're still you know training it on okay you didn't stop there that was a stop sign you idiot uh. <laughs> but if anyone who's ever played gta will know the traffic in that game does not react logically at all i mean so just based off of that like that seems like a poor yeah. way to go about training your vehicle to do something it could correct. be a but, great way you know like if, if you think about it it could react to any <laughs> like a car could just explode and it would know what to do yes we we don't know how to handle regular traffic but if a tank shows up unannounced we're prepared um that's that's actually a good point um but yeah so i mean to your to your point, Austin, it seems that just because you have, like you said, if you have good software, it doesn't necessarily mean you have good real-world applications. And I think that's kind of where Waymo's making a mistake because they, um, I think they're focusing more on the ability of the vehicles to communicate with each other and communicate with other, um, I don't know what else, but like diodes of information like, like 
street signs or, or street lamps or whatever that have that are sending communication signals to all these autonomous vehicles. I think they're kind of preparing for that, but the problem is we don't have any of that. I think Tesla's going about it the right way, where it's like, listen, we got a crap ton of cameras on this car to make sure that it is viewing even more stuff than you're able to as a driver. Um, and like I said, I mean, that's it's a massive testing um, apparatus that you have in all the Tesla owners who are, every day they get in their car, they're part of an experiment. Um, so if you don't like being a part of a lab experiment, then don't get a Tesla. Um, and the liability portion of it, I mean, if you think it, there's, there's really no statute and liability law that discusses what, who's at fault if a vehicle that isn't being driven by somebody gets into a wreck or hits something. There, there's no law surrounding that, so there's no precedent. Um, so un, until that happens, every car needs a driver in control because then if something goes wrong, we know exactly where to place liability. We'll see what what the precedent ends up being on that. So moving on, did you guys did you guys see any cool cars this week? Um, <clears throat> all right, I see a Prius and a Subaru right now, but uh... so basically, <laughs> you walked outside. Yes, I live in Boulder. I opened my eyes, and that's just what was in front just of me. Just in your so. in your in your living room. <laughs> I, I haven't actually gone many places this week. Man, I saw. I saw many cars this week working at Valet at the undisclosed location I'm not allowed to talk about. I saw another C8 Corvette. This one was white with black racing stripes. And when the owner got out, he asked me if I knew how to drive it, which I was like, oh, did you get the, uh, did you get the standard version? And he was like, nah. He was talking about how the buttons for the trend, the shift buttons, like you had, instead of pressing them, you had to like pull them up. And I was like, yeah, I know how to, I know how to press buttons. It's okay. I'm, I'm trained. I'm a millennial. It's yeah, okay. This is one thing I know how to drive. <laughs> if you said you had a clutch, I'd be like, this is staying right where it is. <laughs> um, I saw a nice Mercedes AMG G wagon, uh, with the V8 bi-turbo, which also means twin turbo, or a turbo that likes other turbos. <laughs> We're not sure. I, I, I honestly don't know what it means. Um, and then w- one that I had never seen before was a Rolls-Royce Cullinan came in. Ooh, the SUV. They're large. Yes. It is massive. The big boy. Yeah. I don't like it. I, I mean, I only drove it 10 feet, but... I wasn't a huge fan. I was like, this is such a big car. And yeah, it's super nice, but like why would I wouldn't want to drive it anywhere? It was it was pretty cool to well, see. Well you live you live in it. Oh yeah. You 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 buy one, it's big enough to live yeah, you're in. Right. Um it's probably not the best financial decision because there are houses that cost less than it, so yeah, <laughs> deceivingly large from like the pictures versus real life. Like I remember when I first saw the pictures, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be like mid-sized SUV size. And then when the first time I saw one in person, like the hood went up to like my chest, and I was like, why is it so large? <laughs> like, what are you yeah, hauling was... in this? They did have about five people getting out of it. 
was like, okay, this makes a little bit of sense. Probably like a lot of gold in the back or something. I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. They're in the middle of the Italian job, and they're like, oh, we need a bite to eat. Let's stop at this nice restaurant slash hotel. Um, But, yes, that that was the crazy spot of this week. First rolls I've seen come through there. Awesome. Have you seen any spots in real life or virtually? Uh, not a whole lot in real life. Just kind of same DFW Texas special. I saw probably six or seven challengers and Mustangs yesterday. Um, Facebook Marketplace, however, I've seen some cool stuff. This week I'm on a all-wheel drive turbo kick. Um, which I was last week too, I guess. <laughs> Uh, this week, we're looking at Mazda Speed 6s, um, probably a terrible idea because they only made them for like two years, and parts are kind of hard to come by, the uh, powertrain in it is less than known for its reliability, um, but nonetheless really cool, really unique, and then Subaru WRX hatches, um, pretty much I'm going down the list, I'm almost out of all-wheel drive, turbo, Japanese cars you can buy. Um, but yeah, those are those are the ones this week. Notice my price range stays around ten to twenty thousand dollars, which just so happens to be the value of my Fiesta ST. Is I always fantasize about trading it in for something new, and I know that won't happen because I like that car too much. But um, for all any of you looking for a ten thousand dollar car, tune in every week, and I'll have something for you. <laughs> It's research. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's consumer advice, is what it is. At least so, you're looking. So a lot of people, well, a lot of people, you know, supercars get a bad rap because people will buy supercars and then not drive them because they're too expensive to work on, stuff breaks, and they just, they're, you know, they're too valuable. I feel like you're kind of in the same boat but a completely different ocean. Um, you'd buy, you know, ten thousand dollar cars that are just notoriously unreliable and hard to work on and find parts for. So you also have a garage, not of supercars, but just of $10,000, you know, cheap cars from 20 years ago that you also don't drive because you're afraid of them breaking. I would drive the snot out of them because if I broke one, odds are another one would be working at that time. Is like if I could choose between one one hundred thousand dollar car and like ten ten thousand dollar cars, I want variety. I want a different car every day of the week. So, but you can't choose. You could really only get one ten thousand dollar car. So, you willing to take that risk, my friend? Or ten one thousand dollar cars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or twenty five hundred dollar cars. <laughs> yeah, those then you just have like twenty cars you're driving around. If one breaks down on the side of the road, it. you leave it and go get <laughs> go get another one. All right. Well, our next segment, um, my one of my favorites, the car misconceptions. This week we're going to be talking about uh, electric vehicles. We're kind of on a little bit of an electric vehicle special today. Um, this topic is one that I spoke of plenty in my tenure at Tesla, um, talking about EV road trips and how that is or is not possible and the feasibility of actually doing it. Um, so there's a few, I'm going to prove it and then I'll have you guys chime in and ask questions or try to disprove it. But, um, Tesla is one of the 
best EVs to take a road trip in right now just due to the charging network that they have and the range that they can achieve. Um, you can for sure road trip in other like Chevy Bolts and all that, but it's just going to be a less pleasant experience, a lot more charging time. But it forces you to maintain a better, probably safer speed. Um, driver assist like Tesla's autopilot makes for a very relaxing drive. Um, you don't really have that mental fatigue of slowing down and speeding up with the idiots on the highway that don't know how to use their cruise control. Um, keeps you in the lane so you're not making those minor adjustments. Uh, the entire road trip just keeping your car centered. Um, and with how good autopilot is, you can even have it set to automatically pass cars, um, maintain a certain distance with the car in front of you. So it's a really, really easy way to do highway driving. Um, and the last bit is the charging bit. Every two to three hours, you're probably going to stop for like 20 to 30 minutes on average, um, which is actually a more doctor recommended approach, if you will, to uh, road tripping just because it's not good to sit stagnant for seven, eight hours at a time. Um, stretching your legs is a, is a good thing. Yeah, but when do I listen to my doctor? When he says to do something. So, I mean, right off that part of it, I think, is the one that I don't like. Because I'm a person who I fill up my car and then I drive until the tank is empty. Which usually means about four to 500 miles, depending on what vehicle I'm driving and how fast I'm trying to get through Kansas. So, that means that I spend, you know, like five, six hours in the car at one time before Nina stopped to refuel. And also, I don't drink any water, so I don't have to use the bathroom. <laughs> Justin is the epitome of a healthy traveler, I see. Um, yeah, and that, that's for sure an argument that was brought up to me often is people tell me like, oh, when I take road trips, I just like to go as long as I can. And I, I can be the same way. Um, if I'm just trying to get somewhere, I... Uh, I I made it to Denver, a 12-hour drive, and I only stopped one time. Um, and that was an efficient trip, but I will say by the time I got there, I was exhausted. I did not enjoy sitting in the car for 11 hours, only getting out once for 15 minutes. I will say the uh, road trips where I have not been on an agenda have been the best. Where it was like, okay, sometime today I need to arrive in Columbia, Missouri. Let's see how it goes. And it was, it was strange going through Kansas looking for an excuse to stop and see the scenery, which, I mean, scenery in Kansas, you know. Uh, but it was, it was just a strange, like, oh, I can stop and get gas and take my time. And it was just kind of relaxing. And I think that's, like, that could be a new mentality for road trips. Just charging brakes can be a good, fun hiatus from driving. I mean, you stop, and it charges itself. I mean, you plug it in, just sit there for, you know, 30 minutes, that's a good episode of a sitcom. That's um, eating food. And usually the superchargers are at some sort of restaurant. Like, for example, a Lime in Colorado, it's at a um, Arby's. So that's good. The uh, only <laughs> business Arby's is getting these days. Now, I, I, and Jordan, that's a great point. And that's one thing that I would always mention to people is I say, well, if you're in a hurry to get somewhere, why aren't you flying? In all, uh, in all seriousness, it, Flying. Don't start throwing <laughs> logic into it, jeez. <laughs> and, and people would often look at me of like, oh, I guess that's true. 
most road trips people take nowadays I feel like are usually somewhere between like two and five hours where a flight is kind of hard to justify due to the cost and getting to the airport flying there leaving the airport getting a rental vehicle like I feel like for at least me and my thought process five to six hours is kind of that cut off of when I'm really going to consider flying over driving um, but yeah, it, it just really creates an entirely different travel cadence that is a lot more enjoyable in the road trips I've done in a Tesla. It's been really nice to have those breaks where you get out and you really get done with the trip and you're not fatigued at all. Um, so yeah, it, it's an entirely different cadence and, um, is it going to be as fast as a gas car? No. Will it be anytime soon? Probably not. Um, and the reach, there's not as many places that you can go, but um, it is very possible. And for the amount that people actually road trip these days, um, I think it's entirely uh, doable. I will say, so I took two road trips in December, one out to Jordan in Boulder, Colorado. And then my girlfriend and I drove all the way out to Southern California, like a week after I got back for the holidays. And... Both trips, we went through uh, Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, Utah, um, and the trip back. So this is kind of where, and this is very specific to our trip, but if you're taking like a long road trip, like I want to go across the country, if you're going to take an EV, then you need to be prepared to have places to stay in between. Um, because we, we went and we had nowhere to stay, at least not for free anyway, between Southern California and Denver, Colorado Springs, Colorado area. Um, so basically the last leg of the trip was this 16 hour drive, 15, 16 hour drive to get from Colorado to Southern California. You can't do that in one day with an electric car because you are stopping every two to three hours for 20 to 30 minutes, which, you know two stops and now you've added a whole hour of not driving time and that 16 hour trip turns into a 20 hour trip. So for stuff like that, you can't do it, but to Austin's point, well, why wouldn't you just fly from there to there anyway? Um, or you can also do what we did on the way back and is just stop in at campsites in Utah and sleep in your truck and freeze nearly to death. <laughs> there is camper mode in Tesla's people do that. Um, now you can get beds for the back of your Tesla, but I know that Justin, that is a really good point is like, it can make what used to be day trips longer. Um, but at the same time, there's also gas savings and people will throw that, throw that out there. There is some gas savings, not enough to comp an entire hotel room for a night, but, um, it, it can help a little bit, but yeah, that's, that's the solid point. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing because I do think there is something to be said for taking your time on a road trip, Jordan, like you mentioned, is that makes it more enjoyable and actually seeing the places you're driving through as opposed to just blowing past them because uh, that was some of the better road trips I've taken. Now, granted, we stopped in places in Utah and like Arizona that are cooler than Kansas, but you know, there's, there's still places you can get off and and stop for 20 to 30 minutes. I'd like to see more like chargers along areas where um, like maybe there is like a short hike or in more like naturey 
types of areas as opposed to just next to an Arby's. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I know a lot of people have been comparing Tesla with the rest of the world, um, which is fair. Tesla was kind of the pioneer, so everyone kind of uses them as the benchmark. But numbers-wise, um, I guess the Electrify America really has been catching up and it has, in fact, um, uh, well, I guess they're getting close to passing Tesla. We'll see if Tesla stays in the lead, but I know Tesla has, I think, over a 1,000 charging stations in the country, in the U.S. Um, Electrify America is um, going to have a little over 800 um, with 3,500 chargers of those 800 charging stations, and Tesla has 20,000. So it's interesting to see other alternatives growing. Um, it's kind of strange that they don't really allow intercompatibility in a lot of cases. Um, but I know Tesla's also, Tesla superchargers have a higher level of reliability. I know in the, the guy who did the EV run in the Porsche Taycan, the Cannonball run, he talked about, um, you know, maybe two out of five standard Electri America chargers just weren't working. So that would be frustrating and hopefully they figure out, I know they're trying to like roll it out as fast as possible, but hopefully they figure out the, uh, the standards of reliability on those. Yeah. And one thing I kind of wanted to ask you guys about, this is totally off, not necessarily off script, but it is on topic, off script, on, on topic. Anyway, um, (laughs) do you guys think that there will ever become like a standard for, public charging stations or charging stations that are available to everyone. I know we have a few standards, but like if you have a Tesla, you need like two or three adapters to be able to charge anywhere. And it's like, well, I'd I'd like to not have to take that on every trip that I go on. Like, do we see, uh, do we see either government regulations or just a, you know, private industry decision to consolidate into whatever the best charging method would be and then making everything even across the board what do you guys think i i see that for sure i think as soon as we start to see entire electric lineups from companies so probably at this point five to ten years down the road um i mean think of it as a gas pump right when you pull up to a gas pump you don't have one option you have low grade fuel uh, premium fuel uh like ethanol like e85 diesel right different cars that take different fuel types like i could see the same thing where it's one charger four different plugs um okay i it's gonna be a lot more challenging than gas in that sense though because certain electric cars can take more amperage than others in charging and it's just going to be a matter of companies kind of getting on the same technology level um to where you're not going to be like because if you've plugged a volt into a tesla charger right now you'd fry that thing so it just depends on like the technology that that the different companies have, but I for sure see some regulation there because it's going to be a transportation industry. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, because it's transportation industry, there's definitely going to be some regulations. We all know that, but I mean, to that point, I think it's going to be interesting. I think whatever cars are more readily available, whatever charging they take, that's probably going to be the charging apparatus. It's going to be more widespread because. I mean, if you think about it, why would you be a car maker that makes an electric car that charges in a way that nobody's able, that nobody uses? Yep. Now you're just sitting here and like, well, I can't even charge this anywhere. It's not, it's not a competitively good idea. There's the whole 
the same argument with cell phones right now is everyone has USB-C, oh, except for Apple. Uh, and they kind of pioneered it. And they're like, yeah, we ours is better. Our lightning port is better. Um, yeah. Sorry, you can't use our lightning port with your USB-C and vice versa. But it's strange because Apple has gone USB-C on every other device. So it's literally just... What are you I, doing? The electric car <laughs> is actually super similar, Justin. The, um, there's like a J-plug is what they call it. That is like a standard kind of slow charger um, that Nissan Leaf, Chevy Volt, um, like Volkswagen, Golf E, all the, like every electric car outside of Tesla pretty much uses it. And then there's a fast charger called Chatamo, which is one of the mm-hmm. like main uh, EV fast chargers. So those are kind of the two standardized plugs, and then you have Tesla. And I think we might see that same thing that we see in smartphones, where um, there's there's a standard adapter for the Android cars, and then there's Teslas. <laughs> so um, I could very much, I could very, yeah, I could very much see that staying, but seeing a little bit more regulation come into at least the placement of the stations and the accessibility for sure. Excellent. Well, I am currently working on a couple of blogs for specifically around electric vehicles, uh, one being the inherent advantage of electric vehicles. And I'm also going to do one on the disadvantages of electric vehicles as well, because we believe in giving you facts and logic uh, while here at Flywheel Films. Um, I'm actually working on a few few videos, not EV related. Um, I'm not to that caliber yet. But uh, <laughs> Miata related, I'm working on a, a video for my exhaust, finally, which I installed, what, 13 months ago? Uh, <laughs> and uh, a dash camera. So that, sounds that is exhausting. related because Teslas do have dash. <laughs> Teslas do have dash cams. And uh, there's, there's definitely perks to dash cams. Um, Justin's on that video kind of talking about it from an insurance perspective. But um, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's gonna be hopefully coming out soon. Just we'll see. But shameless on that. Shameless plugs for our other yeah. media facets, if you will. Yeah, we do other stuff. We don't just talk to each other, um, but we mostly do. It's just sometimes we film. Sometimes we film it. Sometimes we write about it. It's really just conversations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say that's a it's a wrap, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you learned something or at least found it somewhat entertaining. Um, we are finally awake now that we've consumed most of our coffee. Um, but yeah, let us know if you have any questions or corrections. Yeah, we're not always right. Uh, most of the time we probably are. But uh, <laughs> definitely feel free to uh, DM us, find us on Facebook, all at Flywheel Films, no spaces. Um, you can even email us, theflywheelfilms at gmail.com. You can check out our other platforms as well. Instagram, YouTube, contain most of our content at Flywheel Films, like Austin said. Uh, Jordan's Miata has his own Instagram at ghosty.miata. And Austin apparently has an Instagram for his Fiesta ST that he's still considering selling. <laughs> I might put a for sale <laughs> post on there just to have up. Yeah, Kona.party.st. Um, so you can follow our own cars, but we primarily post our work on Flywheel Films. And I don't have an Instagram, but you can reach me by Carrier Pigeon or Telegram. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time.